Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. We are grateful to have our men back in the building after a successful men's ski retreat last week, and we have Pastor John Mark Caton delivering an inspiring message as we start a new series, Patterns of Great Men. Now, let's hear from Pastor John Mark. All right, y'all give it up for Justin's, uh, the Justin the taller and Justin the smarter. Y'all give it up for those two guys. All right, that's what he always wants to know. And it's good to, uh, to start a new series uh, today entitled, entitled Patterns of Great Men. And, you know, as we think about uh, uh, a lot of people in the Bibles, I thought about who to start with. There are a lot of guys we could certainly start with. Uh, a lot of uh, guys we could have start, started with in the Bible that uh, we appreciate that the Bible put them in there. Uh, but we don't necessarily want to pattern our lives after them. Uh, when we look around the world, there are sometimes guys are um, incredibly successful uh, at some craft that they do or something that they do. Maybe uh, they're a movie star, uh, some dude that you're like, man, he's just a stud. Uh, and he's got an incredible pattern for success when it comes to Hollywood. But then have you ever known anybody like that, that you look at the rest of their life? And when it comes to their marriage or the way they relate to their kids, it's a train wreck, right? And so you don't necessarily want to follow that guy's pattern. Or maybe there's someone in the corporate world, someone in the business world. Maybe you have a boss uh, that, uh, that you're like, man, they know how to get to the top. But when you look at the rest of their world, uh, they, they really don't have necessarily a pattern of a great man. Or it might be the reverse of that. Man, I, I've known people over the years that, uh, that when it seems to come to their faith or come to their relationships or come to their family, uh, they do a great job. But, but time after time, you, you look at them and they're kind of a train wreck when it comes to their corporate environment or their work. And you're like, man, do, what does it take to put all of those together? And then if you look at God's words, you got people that are successful and people that are unsuccessful. And, but one of the people I want to start with and the person I want to start with today is a guy named Moses. And a lot of times when we think about Moses, uh, we oftentimes go to the burning bush. And we think about the conversation he had with God and, and God's call to Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. I don't want to go there. I want to go to a different place in God's word, actually in the New Testament, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And what we're going to do is not look at Moses's call, but we're going to look at a pattern that Moses determined in his life where Moses literally had to answer five questions, five questions about who he wanted to be and what kind of legacy he wanted to lead. And when we think about these, these are all, if we are going to have the kind of pattern that God can bless in our own lives, in our, in our jobs, corporately, in our relationships, in our church, in our families, with our kids, we need to ask and answer these five questions. It's interesting, if you come to the book, if you go read in the, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, you come to the end of Moses' life. Moses is not going to go into the promised land. He's done some incredible things. He, he, he did have that conversation with God at the burning bush. Uh, he did deliver the plagues uh, in Egypt. He led the children of Israel through the Red Sea, ultimately led, led them to the promised land, uh, led them around for 40 years in the desert while a generation died. He was the one that went up on the mountain not once but twice and received the Ten Commandments. I mean, this was a stud. This, this guy was a great guy. 
And there were some patterns that were set out in his life in such a way that even though he didn't go to the promised land, if you go to the latter part of the book of Deuteronomy, here's what it says. And no one has risen like Moses since the day he died. So there was something unique about this guy. And interestingly enough, he really never won the Super Bowl. He, he never made it into the promised land. But, but if God's word says there were no more men like him from this day forward, there's got to be something unique about his life. And in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to show you five questions that Moses answered about his life. And, and some of them we're going to go, okay, that make, that's so simple. That's so easy to do. And others we're going to go, yeah, okay, how am I doing in that area? So let me just first of all read the verses. They're up on your screen. It says, by faith, everybody say by faith. You know, Hebrews 11 is that faith chapter. It's just one faith person after another faith person. It says, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, he made a decision. We're going to look at that here in a second. He says, I, I don't want to be Pharaoh's daughter. I don't want to be Pharaoh's grandson. It says, he chose instead to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He, re he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures in Egypt, because he was looking to his reward. It says, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw uh, him who was invisible. Look at verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn in Israel. By faith, the people, here it is, continued to some of the things that he did. The people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they drowned. By faith, now you say, all right, wait, what? It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. It's kind of interesting that although the Jericho experience happened with Joshua, not Moses, it's attributed back to him. And I will tell you, that's one of the questions we're going to ask and answer is what kind of legacy are you going to leave for those who follow you? Because right there in that passage on Moses, Moses gets credit for the walls of Jericho coming down. That tells us that he lived his life in such a way. He built momentum in those who had followed in such a way that finally it was easy for them to go in and capture Jericho. And I think if you and I will answer these last, these first four questions, just like Moses did, that fifth question, what will your legacy be, will be an easy one. It will just flow out of who you are and how you live your life. And so as I thought about what, how we would start this uh, new series called uh, Patterns of a Great Man, let's just look in Hebrews chapter 11. And let's just see some of the questions that Moses answered. I encourage you to take your notes out, take your iPad, iPhone, whatever it is, uh, notes out. And, and let's ask and answer these five questions and let's see how Moses answered them. And then let's talk about how they can apply in our life. The first question that you have to answer and I have to answer is the same one he did. It's the question of character. It's the question of identity. It's the question of distinctiveness. It's the question of who am I? 
Who am I going to be? Man, I, I will tell you, the world wants you to be a lot of things. Your family might want you to be a lot of things. Uh, your boss might want you to be a lot of things. Culture certainly wants us to be a lot of things. Culture is trying to tell men how to be men today. How many of you notice that? But the Bible also tells us how we ought to be men. And so if you and I are really going to be the kind of great man that God wants us to be, it starts by us answering this question, who am I and who do I really want to be? You say, where do you see this, Pastor? Look at verse 24. It says, by faith, when Moses had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, now that word refuse, if you want to underline it, highlight it, that literally means rejected. He rejected the idea of being Pharaoh's grandson. Now, that's an identity. How many of you understand if you are Pharaoh's grandson, things will be good for you in your life? Do we understand that? Uh, if you are uh, the king's grandson uh, or, or the queen's granddaughter, things will go well for you. But it's interesting that Moses was willing to make a character decision early on that that is actually not who I am. I, I am actually a child of God. I am, uh, I am an Israelite. My mom, uh, because of, of, their, of their fear of Pharaoh and destroying all the infants, my mom took and put me down in the river. I just happened to be adopted or grabbed or, or, or found by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I was blessed enough to grow up as Pharaoh's grandson. But Moses answered the question and said, that's not who I am. So my encouragement to us today, if we're going to be the kind of great men that God wants us to be, let's answer that question. Can I tell you, there are a lot of things in this world that want to adopt you and make you somebody or not. Do we understand that? Man, culture, look at what culture is trying to tell you you ought to be as a man today. You ought to be this way and that way. And you know, if you're really going to be successful, here's how you live. Can I tell you, we need to step back. What does God's word say about who I am? Hey, maybe the corporate environment, the work environment that you're in right now, uh, they may want to take you and make you something other than the godly man that God wants you to be. And can I tell you this? Man, you need to say no to that. You say, that is not who I am. And so that's question number one. And, and you think about it, you look at there are a number of examples in God's word and you think about it, it literally means that Hebrew word means to reject. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What do you refuse to be known as? What do you refuse to be known as? Now, the one prayer I hope in here is that no one, when you leave this room, no one refuses to be known as a man of God. In the midst of your family, in the midst of culture, in the midst of everything, my prayer is that everybody in here has decided in your heart, the one thing I do want to be identified as and known for is a man of God. But, but if you think there are some other examples uh, of this, look over in Job chapter 10, verse 2, you know, you, we're not going to go there. Job says in chapter 10, how many of you know by the time chapter 10 comes along, a lot of things have taken place in Job's life. But Job stops and he says, he says, Lord, you shaped me and you made me. You know what he's saying? He's saying that is an identity question. That is an identity question. Job is saying, listen, I have been through some stuff. How many of you have been through some stuff? He says, I've been through some stuff. But here's what I still know, God. You made me. 
you shaped me. I'm going to identify with that, that you put me together, who I am, where I am, whatever my background, whatever my legacy. Listen, that's who I am. And some of you grew up in a house that was sold out for God. And some of you grew up with uh, a house that was sold out to this world. That, that's part of who you are. That, that, that's part of what shaped you. But that doesn't need to be how you're known from here on out. And I love what Job says. Hey, even if you've been through some stuff, Job steps back and says, let's don't ever forget that God shaped us. Moses had gone through some stuff. He wasn't living with his mom and dad. He had to be uh, adopted as a, uh, as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had to live in the palace. Now, that's not a bad upgrade, right? Don't we understand that? But, but we also need to understand, as Job says, God, you shaped me. You gave me my, my spiritual gifts. You gave me my talents. You gave me my personality. You gave me my ability. Uh, you gave me the experiences I have in life. I'm not going to walk away from them, but I'm not going to let them define me. There's a difference between allowing those things to shape us and allowing those things to define us. Does that make sense? That, that I can take all of those experiences in life, and in some ways they shape us. But they don't have to define us. Why? Because not only is my past in God's hands, but so is my future. And so here's the question. Who am I? Moses said, listen, I may not know all of who I am, but I know who I'm not going to be. I'm not going to live the rest of my life pretending to be the grandson of Pharaoh. For some of you in here, you might want to just simply say, I'm not going to pretend to be the, the rest of my life something I'm not. And, and that's, that's exactly what Job says. He says, Lord, you shaped me. You made me after he'd been through a lot of stuff. And then if you read the latter part of verse 8 in, in Job chapter 10, he says, will you now turn and destroy me? You know what, you know what Job was saying? Lord, you shaped me. You made me. I know you can take me out. You put me through some stuff. But really, Job is, is delivering a message of hope to his friends and himself, saying, God, I don't believe you're ready to take me out yet. You still got some work for me to do. And so we need to ask that question. We need to answer it. Man, who am I? What is my character? What is my identity? And I hope we all come to this conclusion. I'm not a son of this world. I'm not a child of my corporation or my business. I'm a child of God. For every guy in this room, that's where the pattern of greatness starts, is refusing, rejecting to be known as a son of this world or son of Satan, but instead say, identify me with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Identify me as a man who is uniquely created in the image of God. Identify me as a man who in a, in a culture that wants to tear men down and redefine what it means to be a man. Identify me as a godly man, as a biblical man. And I will promise you, if you'll answer that first question, the other ones actually will get a little easier. Now you're going to see here in a few seconds as we continue to ask and answer these questions. I didn't say the next few questions were easy, but they will get easier. Once I identify myself as, man, I'm a child of God, 
And that's exactly what we see with, with Moses. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Once he identified that I am not going to be known as Pharaoh's son, how many of you know then God had some work for him to do? It started with 40 years in the desert where he's out there hanging out with the sheep and he's just a rancher. Then God showed up with him. So maybe there are some of you here today that you're going to walk out of here and you're going to identify. You're going to say, I'm going to identify with God. And there might be a season that you just are out in the wilderness waiting on God to give you the next thing to do. But I will promise you he will. Because if you look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that out of yourself it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest no one should boast. That's your identity. But that very next verse says, And we are God's workmanship, or God's handiwork. And God gave us stuff to do. It says, created beforehand so we can do something. See, after, after Moses made this first answer, gave this first answer, his identity answer, identify me with God, he lingered around for 40 years, but God is going to show up just like he did, did to Moses. And so you need to understand, you leave here today and say, identify, identify me with God, God is going to show up and he's going to ask you to do something. Why? Because we have been created in the image of God to do God's work. So that's question number one. He had to ultimately ask, ask and answer that question. It's the character question. Man, what is my identity? Who I am? Who am I? He chose not to be identified as Pharaoh's grandson. Here's your second question. Everybody say question number two. He answered the reliability question. The dependability question. Easy for you to say. He said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. So the reliability question, man, let me ask you a question. Does your family know you're going to be there thick and thin? Do people around you know you're going to show up? Moses answered that question. You say, where is that? Look in verse 25. It says, he, Moses, chose. Everybody say chose. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now listen to that. He chose it. That's reliability. It would have been interesting. Now think about it. Let's just, let's just pretend for a moment, and, and he was. Moses was a little like us. All right, that here he was, raised in Pharaoh's house as Pharaoh's grandson. Let's just be honest. How many of you were raised in a palace? How many of you are an heir to a king somewhere? All right. How many of you think it would kind of be cool? Yeah, all right, like about three quarters of you. The other's like, is he being serious? I, I just want you to know. Uh, I'm not into the British royalty, but I would accept. How many of you know? Right? I think it would be pretty cool. All right, can you imagine? Talking about reliability. All of a sudden, you and I grew up in somebody's court, Pharaoh's house, and then all of a sudden Moses said, you know what, I'm done with this. And he walks out of Pharaoh's court. How long do you think it took him to be out there with his father-in-law ranching before he thought, huh, the grass is a little greener on the other side of the fence. Do you not? He's like us, guys, right? How many of you think you would at least one day thought, hmm, maybe it was not so bad up there? 
That's the reliability question. Once you've made a commitment to your family, are you willing to hang in there? Once you've made a commitment to your kids, are you willing to hang in there? Once you've made a commitment to your work or to your relationships, to your friendships, to God, to church, are you going to show up time and time again? Notice what it says. It says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Can God's people rely on you? You going to be a great man? That's what it says. It says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I'll tell you two of the greatest choices you'll ever make in your life. One, choice for salvation. That you receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Second greatest choice you can ever make as a man of God who wants to be a great man of God is to choose to be identified with God's people regardless. Did you get that? It's right there. He chose to be mistreated and identify along with God's people regardless of what happens. Man, I, I think that sometimes what keeps men from truly being what God wants them to be is we become unreliable in our commitments to God's men and God's people and God's church. We have this, we have commitments to a lot of things. And we'll show up for a season. We'll be in God's house for a while. We'll be with God's people for a while. But then when it's not necessarily convenient, we just take time off. Not going to always walk away. Things get a little hard. Man, we live in a culture right now that, man, standing, standing for God's word and, and speaking truth biblically, let me tell you what, it, it, it's, it, it's going to be unpraiseworthy for the culture a little bit. And I love this about Moses, man. It was the reliability question. It says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What fleeting pleasures of sin keep you from being reliable in God's house? What is it? And yours might be different than mine. And mine might be different than somebody else's. But I love what Moses said, man, I'm going to be here. You can depend on me. And when I think about God's people, I, I think of spiritual community. I think of commitment. I think of men's breakfast. I think of life groups. I think of being in worship. I think of serving. I think of a lot of things. And so I want to encourage you. You want to be a great man? Settle your identity. I am a child of God. I, I am not Pharaoh's grandson. Number two, determined to be reliable. Be willing to even be mistreated along with God's people, than to walk away for the comforts and pleasures of sin in this world. Here's question number three. Let's just continue to walk on down. We'll see it again. The significance of the priority question. We've answered who I am. Am I the character question? Uh, the reliability question. Will I be there? Will I show up? Here's the significance question. Man, what is the significance? What is really important in my life? You say, where do you see this? Look at verse 26. He regarded disgrace... For the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. 
Man, I, I love that. that. That's a priority question. That's the importance question. What is more important, uh, being known in this world or ultimate rewards in that one? Is it being praised in this temporary world, in this temporary body, or to be ultimately rewarded in the next one? That, that's when we, we weigh things out. We determine what is most valuable in our lives. And as you think about it, you go look at that word regarded right there in verse 26. It says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. That word regarded means to make a moral value judgment. That's what that Greek word means. Moses with the Old Testament, that's Hebrew, but we're over here uh, with the Hebrews, but we're over here in the New Testament. That Greek word means to make a moral value judgment. Has there come a place in your life and a time in your life where you've made a value judgment about your future? That building up rewards for myself in heaven is going to be far greater than any reward I can receive on this earth. Have you made that call? That'll make you a great man. That'll make you play the long game. That'll make you look at your own life and your own decisions and your own relationships way differently. When we say, hey, the priority of my life is not for me to get all the accolades I can. By the way, I'm a fan of accolades, okay? I, 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 I am. It's not for me just to get uh, all the praise I can in this world. But it's also as I journey through this life doing my best, I am going to get some accolades here. But at the end of the day, the best moral value judgment you and I can ever make is that there is going to come a day when we stand before God. And what do we all want more than anything? For God to look at us and say, well done good and faithful servant. Man, that's a value judgment, right? How many of you know we're all going to hear those words? How many of you think you hope you hear those words? How many of you think you might walk before God and you, he goes, well, you know, I, I'm so fearful of, of, of getting before God and man, I'm waiting. I've preached that passage over and over again that God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I stand there and I'm looking around and Gina's right to my right and God goes, nah. <laughs> right, right. I, I don't, I don't need any amen to that part of my preaching right there. Okay. <laughs> but, but how many of you would rather hear well done, good and faithful servant? Golly, can I tell you, here's the beautiful thing. Man, Moses, this is looking back on Moses' life, and it says none came. First 40 years of his life, nothing. How many of you are older than 40? How many of you are younger than 40? All right. So then it was 80, all right? Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's 80 before the burning bush. How many of you are younger than 80? Y'all are young pups. See, because it wasn't until Moses was 80 and what followed 80, that's what got him to the book of Deuteronomy that said, none as good as Moses showed up. So if you're sitting here going, yeah, if I was a 30-year-old, listen, Moses was 80. And he all of a sudden went to a place with God because he answered the question, who am I? Am I going to be reliable for my church and my family? 
And, and then this question, the significance, what is my priority? He says, listen, from this day forward, my priority is not climbing the corporate ladder in, my, in Pharaoh's court. My priority is to move towards my reward. That I'm going to serve God, I'm going to love God, I'm going to give and I'm going to be the kind of man my family needs me to be. Why? Because I want to stand before God someday and I don't want God to say, eh. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you are sitting here today going, God, I wish I'd have heard this message when I was 25. I'm telling you, if you are breathing right now, God's got work for you to do. God's got a place for you to serve. God's way out of people he wants you to influence. Grandkids, kids, church, everything. And that is absolutely a question. Here's question number four. Question of sacrifice. See, I told you some of the questions are hard. That once you've identified and answered all those other questions, there's a question of sacrifice. You say, where do you see that? Verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, and he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That, that's a question of sacrifice. When he walked away from Pharaoh's court, he walked away from the silver spoon. He walked away from the good things in Egypt. He didn't necessarily walk directly to good things. He didn't leave a silver spoon for a gold spoon. It took a while. And so that's why I say, man, you and I have to be willing to answer the difficulty question. If I truly start serving God, if I give it all to God, how quickly will I quit if things get hard? I'm going to say that again and I hope you write it down. How quickly will I quit if things get hard? See, that's the one thing that we see about Moses after he left Pharaoh's house. Forty years in the desert, God shows up. It's still not easy. It's still hard. But the one thing you never see in Moses is you never see him quit. And you certainly don't see him quit quickly, even though things did get hard. And so, guys, as we think about questions that we need to answer, man, one of those questions is a difficulty question. It's the hardship question. Am I willing to stick in there when things get hard? In your church, with other men, in your family, at the office, with your job. What kind of sacrifice are you willing to put in? That leads us back to the next question. And you see it right there in verse 30. I mentioned it at the beginning. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. It's kind of interesting. This thrown in there and Joshua's not even mentioned. The writer of the book of Hebrews mentioned several times and all of the New Testament writers mentioned it was Joshua. But right here in the faith chapter... It just simply says, by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Why is it kind of tagged up under Moses' praise? Because Moses was the kind of man who answered the first four questions that made it easier for the men who followed them 
to answer their question as yes for God. Let me be that man. Let me be that man for you. That whenever my last breath is taken on this earth, that there are a number of men in this church that feel like, you know what, because we followed that pastor who is our friend, that we are not fearful of the walls of Jericho. Men, I pray that you have that same feeling about your family and your kids and your grandkids. That when you take your last breath on this earth, you would have built such incredible spiritual momentum by answering those first four questions. That it will be easier for your family to march around the walls of Jericho of their future with faith. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for an opportunity to hang out with these dudes I love so much. God, I pray that they leave here today, as they leave here today, that there would be some who would answer that identity question. Who am I? I'm a child of God. That they would answer that commitment question. That we would choose to be known as a follower of God and identify with God's people more than anything else. That, That we would answer that question of sacrifice. What am I willing to give? Where am I willing to go? And everything that we do, God, I pray that you would just honor us and then let us remember that when we make you the priority in our life, we always win. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You all have a great day, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.